0: Welcome to Mid-East Junction with me, Anne-Marie Besada. This month's episode is going to be a little different. While well, I usually focus on the countries found within the Middle East region, so from Egypt to Iran, I'm going to expand it a bit by going as far west as Tunisia to focus on that country's olive oil industry. Olive oil production in Tunisia is considered to be the second or even third largest in the world, depending on who you speak to, and also one of the more underrated producers by comparison with Italy, Greece, Spain, Palestine, Syria, and Jordan. But what's the connection between Tunisia and the Middle East? Well, the question to ask is how did olive trees get to Tunisia? You may think it was the Greeks or the Italians, but that would be wrong. The Phoenicians were the ones who brought the trees after establishing Carthage, that sits right at the tip of modern-day Tunis, the capital. Now, the Phoenicians originated from what we call Lebanon today, so you'll often hear Lebanese refer to themselves as the Phoenicians. But let's get back to olives. Now, the true origin of the olive is hard to pin down, it's one of the oldest crops known to humans. One paper written by a Paul Vossen says the origin of olives is probably Syria, or maybe sub-Saharan Africa. He adds that for more than 6,000 years, cultivated oil has developed alongside Mediterranean civilizations. Next, we look at the edible olive, which he says can be traced to the early Bronze Age, so that's somewhere between 3,150 and 1200 BC. Now, Its origins can be found in areas along the eastern Mediterranean, which today means southern Turkey, Syria, Lebanon, Palestine, and Israel. Proof of the crop's existence in this region comes from artifacts found in ancient tombs, such as tablets, olive pits, and wood fragments. And even back then, liquid gold, or olive oil, was worth 5 times the value of wine, according to ancient documents found in Syria dating back to 2000 BC. I mean, look at all this history and how rich it is! So going back to the Phoenicians, they had begun to conquer more land along the Mediterranean coast going west between 1500 and 300 BC and in 814 BC they established Carthage, considered to be one of the longest surviving and largest states in those times. We begin to see olives spreading across the Mediterranean around 500 BC, due to trade by the Phoenicians. Those olive trees eventually made their way into Tunisia, where they took to the ideal climate and land for growing. But by 146 the Romans invaded Tunisia and put an end to the Cartesian empire. Their occupation of the area began by destroying all evidence of the Carthaginians and their history. But the one thing they didn't destroy were the olive trees which had been absorbed into the local culture by the native Berbers. And that has made its way into Tunisia's culture that is still going strong thousands of years later.
1: In reality, it's been since childhood because those of my generation, like when I was young, caring for a sick person meant putting a bit of olive oil on his head or on her stomach and all would be good, or sometimes you'd boil a bit of fennel. When I was young, we didn't use medication, mainly because medicine was too expensive and also, just before the first year of independence, we were very poor. So our way to cure ailments was by using olive oil.
0: Ali Khedira runs an olive oil cosmetics store in the heart of the Souss Medina.
1: When I was older, I completed my studies and I worked in that field and did other jobs, but then I decided to come back to my roots, to my childhood, because olive oil is the best oil that exists in this world for eating and for curing. <laughs>
0: Before that, he ran the country's only olive oil museum.
2: I had
1: done a few years of hospitality work and I had some good French clients and I was doing well. But I felt something was missing in this area, Sahel, something that was for olive oil. So I found an old house, which was quite nice, and I rented it. And then I began to acquire a few items, such as an olive mill and displays on how people make olive oil. And I created a little museum, which was really nice. But unfortunately, when the revolution happened, a few thugs destroyed my place, and I got no compensation. So, what did I do?
0: He opted to take the best items from his museum and build a store around it, using the knowledge of products based on olive oil that have been passed down for generations.
1: I began to make soap and then I learned about a family that made black soap here in the Sahel. It's a popular soap in Morocco, so I learned more about this soap and how to make it, and it does very well. And so we now make that soap along with other items that are all based on natural ingredients. So for your hair, your body, for massaging, always based on olive oil. And then we expanded a bit, and we now incorporate other products that include all ingredients grown here, from the fields of Tunisia.
0: To Ali, the role of olive oil in Tunisian culture is one that should never be lost. But there was a moment in history when it nearly disappeared.
1: It's a very ancient connection to olive oil. But when the French came, they deprived many Tunisians from that and they took olive oil for themselves and they gave us other oils. So olive oil became expensive, and some people forgot about the benefits of olive oil.
0: But today the olive oil industry is flourishing. Driving around the country, I see the landscape as primarily fields upon fields of olive trees mixed with orchards and wheat.
3: The oldest olive tree in the world, the oldest, it is in Tunisia. It is 3,000 thousand-year and it is still alive, this olive tree.
0: That's Hamid Hajri, a sound and light producer who lives amongst the olive trees of his family outside the city of Hammamet He grew up learning about olive oil farming from his grandfather. He continues to tell me about the oldest olive tree that is found in Hawaria at Ashraf in the northeastern tip of the country.
3: Last year it gave something like 1 ton, 200 kilograms of olives, just one tree. which is a pride to Tunisian people.
0: Every olive-producing country has its claim to the oldest olive tree. Olive trees are by nature very resistant to disease and weather changes, so they can in fact live for hundreds if not thousands of years. Here in Tunisia, there are two. One, which Hamid described, is considered the oldest, while another one, often called Zetuno la Carit, is found in the south in the Berber village of Jwera, and it's 900 years old, and it's thought to be the largest of the two. While walking around an olive tree farm, Hamid tells me about a lesson he learned from his grandfather.
3: And I remember my grandfather who taught me this and taught all his children that uh, an olive is... I will say it in Arabic, then I translate Zaytuna am wa liha So, I translate in English The olive tree gives you one year for you to eat, to stalk, to help your family and the next year, it is for her It does not eat olives, but you sell the olive to take good care of her, to give her water in summer and to hire people to harvest. This is what I have learned from my grandfather.
0: So in short, treat your tree well and it will bear you fruit, even for thousands of years. But with an olive tree, one learns patience. They don't grow to full maturity in a few months, they take years. And this olive farm I'm visiting has 9,500 trees, so a whole lot of patience is needed. But can a tree produce a good harvest every year? Is that even possible? No. No. That's Hala. for 14 years he has been looking after the trees here ensuring they are in top shape so come harvest time so late september until december sometimes february the trees give back the love he gave them all year the olives are picked when the temperatures start to get cooler that ensures the trees produce more oil to keep the olives alive and when they start to change color from green to brown that means they have a high oil content and are good for picking to harvest a tree, then by hand, one tree takes
3: how long? 10 to 15 minutes.
0: Women are usually hired for picking season, and all the trees, in this case all 9,500, are harvested by hand. But why? After thousands of years, you'd think a machine could do the job.
3: Actually, we bought five machines, but we discovered afterwards that they harm the trees since they cut all the olives and branches and the leaves. So we stopped using them. We used them once, but since then, we've come back to picking
0: by hand.
3: This one tree that we are standing right by has a problem. During the winter, all the leaves fall. You can already see some branches without any leaves and that's from the machines so this tree doesn't give a good harvest anymore and even what it produces is not of good quality but it's easy to notice these types of problems when you walk past the trees every day
0: once the olives are collected the farmers send them off to a wheelery or olive oil mill there are more than 1,700 of them dotted across the country.
3: I give you numbers, so it can give you... It depends on the variety, of course, but it can give you... I have uh, the Sahli variety, so it can give you one year, like this year, 2019, it reached 300 kilograms. But next year, or last year, it it gave us... 50 kilograms.
0: And there are over 70 local varieties of olive trees in Tunisia, says Sonda Laroussi, an expert olive oil sommelier based in Sfax. According to the research of the Institute of Olivier,
2: there is more than 70 local variety in Tunisia and until today they are still discovering a new variety. In the Tunisian market, we can find 5 to 6 monocultuous olive oil coming from the Shumleni variety in the center and the south of the country, Chutwy in the north with Leti in Kerouan, Zarazi Shemsheli and
0: Zalmati in the south. The Shimshari olive oil, she explains, is the main variety of the country. It makes up nearly 70% of the country's production. The oil of
2: Shimleli could be fruity, complex, and persistent, and not so bitter.
0: Shetui olive has a different profile. It has a greener aroma and a more bitter and pungent taste. More antioxidants, explains Sonda. I'm just
2: trying to give you an idea about the real potential of the Tunisian variety. In the last years, the Tunisian olive oil was shining in the most of the quality olive oil competition in Italy, in Spain, in France, in in Greece, Japan, and New York.
0: In fact, olive oil export is the country's number one agricultural export, about 15% of the economy, producing up to 14,000 tons of olive oil. In the past five years, the country's levels of production have become more competitive on the international market and its quality has started to get more attention. Sonda says in the next crop year, that is 2019 to 2020, the National Olive Oil Institution estimates it will be the second biggest producer in the world of olive oil after Spain. Today according to them, Tunisia is third. But when people think of high-quality olive oil, Tunisia is not one of the places that comes to mind. Supermarket quality of Tunisian olive oil is starting to crop up more and more, with marketing labels differentiating between organic and regular to appease customers. But here's a fun fact.
3: All our olive oil is organic by nature, because we do not use chemical products or something. It's not a problem, it is nature, that one year we have a good harvest, the other one it doesn't uh, give us a good harvest.
0: Jadidi explains that fertilizer is added to the trees, but a natural one coming from animals, so no chemicals are actually used in growing olives. But with a weakened economy, especially since the revolution of 2011, the industry is having a hard time breaking into the international market. Instead, the weakened economy has meant more foreigners come to Tunisia to buy olive oil at local prices that is then shipped back and resold under a different local label. So there's no mention of its Tunisian origin. And many do so by taking advantage of Law 72, a loophole that has cost the country nearly 43 billion dinars, that's about 13 billion euros between 2006 and 2016, that's according to the Tunisian Observatory of Economy. The law allows non-residents to invest in the country in sectors such as agriculture. But these foreign companies don't have to pay any tax to the state. And while exporting local products to their country of origin, if a profit is made, they are not required to pay any back to Tunisia.
3: Foreigners, they use this uh, and they get profit of this law. And they come every September and install a uh, okay, where they manufacture the olive oil. They get it with the local price. Which is something like 0.1 euro a kilograms manufacture here and export it all on all. They export the olive oil of Tunisia without paying tax to Tunisian. And that's the point. <laughs>
0: Ali, Hamid Sonda and others spoke a lot about this problem, pointing an accusing finger at Italian companies. And since 2013, many of Europe's olive trees, especially in Italy, have been hit by a deadly bacteria that kills the trees. Added to that have been the roaring fires over the hot summer months in southern Europe that have destroyed much vegetation. Ali agrees. So
3: they come here looking for the quality, yet Italians are good in marketing. The problem of Tunisian oil makers, they sell it in tanks for Italian to be customised. And that's the point. We have many attempts to customise our olive oil.
0: There is a lot of anger at seeing their olive oil bought at local prices and then sold abroad but under a different label. So why sell it in the first place?
2: We cannot really say that the Tunisian farmers have been willing to sell their olive oil to foreigners. Who will repackage it and sell it as their own? The dream of every olive producer, the dream of every olive producer, is to sell his olive oil in a bottle, as a Tunisian product with his own label. But it is not so easy. It is not enough to produce a very high quality olive oil to be in the shelf at the international
0: market. And breaking into the international market remains difficult. So if you've harvested all your olives and you've made your oil but known as buying your product, you'll likely take any offer that comes your way.
2: In the other hand, the broker and importer come and invest in Tunisia in order to be sure that they can get the Tunisian olive oil. It is the easy way, and the less expensive also, to sell all the produced olive oil quantities. At the end of the year, when the farmer and the small producer discover that their project and dream couldn't be achieved, at the end, they sell their olive oil to the exporter and the exporter will sell it to the broker or the buyer in the foreign country. They will sell it in a bulk, and then it will be bottled as
0: a product of foreign country. Nobody will remember Tunisia. But the taste of Tunisian olive oil is really unlike others. It's like biting into a handful of fresh olives.
1: If you put 10 different bottles of olive oil in front of me, and I tasted all of them, I'd know which one is Tunisian. You work in Tunisia,
0: and many like Sonda hope that one day the industry will finally get the recognition it deserves. It's been a few thousand years, after all. I really hope that one day
2: the consumer outside Tunisia, outside the country, will really discover the real image of the Tunisian olive Or All that they need is to come, see, and taste. There is a lot of richness in the lands of Tunisia.
0: That's it for this month's episode of East Junction. I hope you've enjoyed it, even if we strayed a little away from the usual region of the Middle East. If you did enjoy today's episode, don't be afraid to subscribe to the podcast on your usual platform and leave a review. It does help others find the show. And a special thank you to Nicolas Doro, Erwan Rome, and Michael Fitzpatrick for all their help in putting together this report. Join me again in November for another look at the region. I'll leave you now with the remaining song of Olive Harvest by Simone Shahin. Bye for now.